Welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Your host, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story, joining you on this May 28th, 2021, an exact year from when we had James White on the show. Wow, that's kind of creepy. Uh, <laughs> I, I discovered that while uh, going through Facebook and, and seeing your tweet for it or your post for it, Rich. We had James White on here a year ago. Um, James, that was fun. We need to have you back. Thank you for joining uh, us. Thank you for being a part of our our, our program. We are looking so much, uh, forward to spending time with you, even with the topic that's going to be, well, it's a loaded topic. Like, you know, well, there's a big sur- surprise seems to be. That's all we do lately. <laughs> there's just been so many of them. But uh, grateful to have you with us. Want to remind you, we are part of the Christian Podcast Community. Want you to want to encourage you to check that out this uh, each and every week. There's so many good programs on there, including and Rich, I didn't get to tell you this. Uh, the that would be Echo Zoe Radio. I'm going to be on with our good friend Andy Olson this coming Monday. Um, he and I are going to record, and uh, I'll be on his. Uh, it seems like he and I do this about once a year. We do a kind of cornucopia of topics, and looking forward to spending some time with our good friend there. He is part of that program, uh, that conglomeration of, of podcasts, and we encourage you to check those out. Also, want to remind you check out our webpage, slavetothe.king.com. That is where you will find everything associated with the Voice of Reason radio program. Ways that you can support the program, ways that you can get uh, you know swag for the program. I don't know if I like that term. There's got to be another term for it. Uh, <laughs> I have to figure that one out. It always sounds weird. Uh, and and basically, your ways of getting in touch with us. Uh, we encourage you to check that out. And if you want to support the program, the first and foremost, as we say, we always ask, pray for us because, well, especially pray for our families. They got to put up with us, but pray for us that each and every week we would be dedicated to serving the Lord and prom- uh, promoting the truth of His Word, and then uh, just share the program. You know, that's a great way to do it is just to put the program out there and share it. And by the way, if you are new to my Twitter account, again, thank you, James White. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I have had quite a bump. Thank you, Dr. White. I still can't believe you said that of me. That was just too kind. Um, But if you are new to my Twitter account and you see that I've posted this, we welcome you because maybe you've not heard of Voice and Reason Radio before. Uh, We welcome you to the show. We hope that you learn a great deal. We hope more than anything you are driven to study the Word of God more, to love the Lord more, to serve Him more, and that you are called to just proclaim His glorious gospel. If we can accomplish any of that, then we've done all that we can hope to do. So if you're new to the show because you have suddenly joined onto this Twitter account and you're wondering who this guy is, welcome aboard. I'm so glad to have you. Um, it has been just a, an interesting an interesting week uh, this week, Rich, and uh, so so glad to get back together with you. How you doing, brother? As always, brother, better than I deserve. Um, it's gotten to where we have a hard time choosing topics, mainly <laughs> because the news cycle lately has yes. just been on steroids. I mean, there's something every day. And actually, we had not intended on covering Mm-mm what we're going to cover tonight, we originally had a completely different topic in mind, but because of a snag I ran into about midweek, I didn't finish my research and my studying, so we fell back to plan B, and I think it's actually a really good one because it's based on something you put out the other day, and you had you, you had a, a tweet that 
went viral for the lack of a better word and it's something that i really would like to address with you and discuss with you and give you an opportunity to elaborate on what you stated more so before before i read what you actually wrote do you have anything else you want to say as we go into tonight's episode uh yeah i just want to um say yeah that the news cycle definitely is po- putting out a lot of stuff. And I think, of course, a lot of that simply is because we're going into a new election year uh, for the midterms. Obviously, that's going to promote a lot more stuff. And while we don't try to make this program follow the news cycle, this year has just been so many of these topics have gone right to the heart of Christian thought. And so many Christians have been pulled into them that I think it was necessary to, to talk about these things because we need to be thinking biblically. We need to think with theology in mind. We, we need to apply biblical principles and not just be pulled along by the societal trends. So I, I agree with you, brother. There's been a lot, uh, especially this week, uh, especially this week. So I've, uh, we can explain what you know, what this thread is going to be about once you go into that but why don't i let you go ahead and start with that and then we'll we'll kind of explain why we're talking about this well this you posted this on 526 so that was what yesterday or day before day yesterday? before yesterday so just a little over 48 okay. hours ago well you wrote let's just make an observation shall we common sense gun laws already exist Background checks are already mandatory. Felons, domestic abusers, and persons with certain mental health issues are barred from firearm ownership. Guns are not as easy or easier to get than aspirin. In fact, they're expensive. Only select stores sell them. You have to pay for a background check and in some places wait days to clear before you can take the weapon home. Some authoritarian states like California will not allow you to transport a gun with ammo in it they i'm sorry my (laughs) screen broke up they must be separate other places like chicago have massively restrictive gun laws beyond anything in the nation laws upon laws exist this isn't a legality issue this is an evil heart issue you can melt down all the guns and ammo into a giant ball of metal and drop it into the mariana trench but it will not stop mass casualty violent offenses evil hearts drive cars through parades, they make pipe bombs or bombs from pressure cookers, they load cars up with fertilizer and blow up buildings, they slam planes into skyscrapers, bent on mass destruction, I'm sorry, evil hearts bent on mass destruction will find a way to terrify, hurt, and kill large numbers of people. Guns are but one way. The issue isn't the tool, but the evil heart of man. You can create all the laws in the world, but no legislation will ever change the heart of a depraved soul bent on mayhem. All it will do is allow us to stack up the charges against him, him and if, when he is caught. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Laws cannot and will not ever change the heart. And that was the end of your thread, and I know that you had an amendment to that, but First, what prompted you to post that thread? Well, as pretty much everybody at this point knows, um, and I, unless you're living under a rock, in Uvalde, Texas, 19 students and two uh, adults of uh, a school were killed when an 18-year-old uh, deranged, evil 
person. Climbed the fence, went inside, and began to shoot everybody he could find. Since that time, there's been a lot that's developed. Now the biggest discussion is about the failure to properly act in an active shooter incident by the e law enforcement in Evaldi, Texas. And that's another discussion for another time. But you, 21 lives were lost. The shooter is dead. And a lot of people are discussing what happened and how to stop it, which I understand. Of course, as is virtually every scenario involving a firearm, the question of, you know, what about, what about the guns? Why This person used guns, therefore guns are bad, therefore guns should be outlawed. Second Amendment is evil. Uh, people shouldn't have right uh, to firearms since uh, you know, it can infringe upon a person's right to life, etc. And what prompted me to write this is I expect the world at large to say these things. I, I, I expect that because, especially in an election cycle, um, it is the Democrat platform. Basically, guns are evil. I expect that from them. I'm not shocked by it. Uh, I just know they're going to do it. What prompted me to write this was watching Christians, professing Christians, some of whom I, I believe genuinely are saved, saying we need to enact common sense gun laws. Uh, and there was one whom I actually shared this link with and wow, did a whole lot of trolls come out of the woodwork, some of whom were not even Christians, so I don't even know how they found this. But um, anyway, the reason I wrote it is because they were saying we need to have these we need to have discussions about common sense gun laws. I'm a conservative, but we need to talk about gun laws. Uh, I'm a Christian, but we need to talk about gun laws. I believe in Second Amendment, but we got to talk about gun laws. And I, I'm, I'm seeing this coming up from Christian voices. And I'm sitting here thinking, um, why, why are we not discussing what actually caused it? Because the firearms did not get out of the car. The firearms did not walk across the street. The firearms did not jump the fence. The firearms did not enter the school, and they certainly didn't pull their own triggers. The actual cause was the person behind them. Why was that happening? We, I, I, I will acknowledge that in recent years, this kind of horrific and evil act is on the increase. Started with Columbine. Everybody remember that. Since that time, we've seen more of them. It's not that they never happened. It's that they are happening more frequently. But you go back to when I was in high school, 30 years ago. I was in the uh, high school ROTC program. And we had, as part of our section of the school, a rifle range, a little 22 rifle range. And we taught hunter safety. We had a rifle team. We taught people how to use a 22 rifle. And in all the years that I was there, and in all the years that I've been living in this particular part of northern Nevada, never once was there a school shooting of any kind of anything like this. Certainly not, not in the years prior to me getting into law enforcement and stuff like that. I don't even know if the ROTC program still exists or if that rifle range still exists. I'd imagine it probably doesn't. But for many, many years, it was there. There were rifles and ammunition in the school. Why, why was nobody ever hurt? Why today has there been a shift 30 years later? 
50 years ago. You had, you know, you know, 40, 50 years ago, you had people pulling into parking lots with gun racks and shotguns and rifles because they were going to go hunting after school and nobody got hurt. Why? What has changed? Something changed. It's the heart. It's the issue of the heart, and which is what I tried to get at in this particular thread. We have many laws with regard to gun purchase and ownership in the United States. The primary of which is you have to have a background check. They ha if you go and purchase a firearm, we have to make sure that you're not a felon whose right to firearm has been, uh, has been uh, abdicated because of your criminal charge. Uh, if you're a domestic abuser, you, you can't purchase a firearm. And if you have certain mental health issues, if you've been institutionalized, and it's, on, it's verifiable on record, you can't buy one because of the concern that because you have this mental health issue that may still be ongoing, that you could harm others or yourself. So we have that. Guns are absolutely you know, expensive. They're not some, you know, I, I literally saw someone who called themselves a Christian that said it was easier to get a firearm than an aspirin. That is the most mm. ridiculous and nonsensical comment I've ever heard. And that's a lot. There's a lot of dumb things I've heard. The idea that you can just walk into the, like the dollar store and grab a, 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 a firearm of some sort rifle, shotgun, pistol, and go out into the street and start killing people is ridiculous. It isn't true. It's a bold-faced lie. And I, the reason, that's why I said they're not easier to get than an aspirin. Let and, me add there, brother. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no Let me add there. You were, you were talking about, to, in order, if you or I walked into a sporting goods store that sold firearms yes in order to purchase that firearm depending on what state we're in and the last time i had a family member that went and purchased one it took them a month to take possession of that firearm because that's how long it took for the background check and mm -hmm. for their clearances and all these other things <coughs> to clear and sometimes it takes it can take maybe two weeks. Sometimes it can take a month. Sometimes it can take six weeks, depending on how backlogged the systems are that go through and do these checks. Yeah. So, you know, first of all, I don't know of any state that does not require background checks. Yeah. I live, I live in Mississippi, which is part of the South and more than likely just about every house owns a firearm of some sort because hunting is a huge thing where I live. And I don't know of anyone that has ever been able to just walk in a pawn shop or a sporting goods store nowadays, buy it, and leave the same day they walk in. That does not happen. But portion of this that people don't understand, besides how expensive mm -hmm. firearms have become lately, how expensive ammunition has become, mm -hmm. how expensive it is to run these background checks, People don't realize what the dealer has to go through to legally sell these firearms because you think it's hard to purchase a firearm. You should try to apply to become a dealer to sell firearms. The paperwork is like a mountain thick. 
the cost is tremendous mm -hmm. and the legalities that go along with it and the liability insurances and all these other things are huge that go into someone or a store to be able to legally sell firearms. Yes. And that's the point of the conversation no one seems to be understanding. Uh, several years ago, we, we owned a small shop, and at one point when we were trying to decide what we were going to do with this building, we looked at getting a license to sell firearms. And it was more trouble, more expensive, and more everything <laughs> than it was it's worth. So we never pursued it any farther. But I can tell you, and this like, this was maybe seven or eight years ago, and I know it's even worse now, but in order to apply to have a license to sell firearms, there is a huge amount of hoops and red tape and paperwork and money and checks and everything else that has to go into that. A legitimate business that is selling firearms, they're not going to be willing to, je they're not willing to jeopardize all of this just to be able to sell someone something up under the counter. Granted, there are multiple illegal gun dealers in this country, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about citizens who purchase guns legally from legal dealers. Am I correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I, and here's one other thing, because I, I actually saw this objection. Oh, well, you can go online and buy them and order them. Right. You can. I'm looking at the Smith & Wesson website right now. I'm looking at their M&P 15 long, long gun, their rifle. This is a uh, 223 or 556. That's the size of the uh, ammunition. And it, it, its price on this is $1,599. And there is a buy now tab. Now, if I do that, sure, I can buy it. Here's what's going to happen. It's going to send me to a website, one of three places, gearfireguns.com, galleryofguns.com. When I make the purchase through one of those places, they're not going to ship it straight to me. They're going to ship it to someone who has an FFL, a firearms license, in my area. So Shields, for example, is a, is a licensed firearm dealer. They're, they're a really large sporting goods store. A couple other of, of fire, firearms dealers come to mind. I could probably have a range to, once I've made the purchase and paid the... You know, $1,600 for a rifle, which I cannot afford and won't be doing. Boy, would I like to get one. Uh, and uh, I, it has to, you know, I pay the taxes and the whole nine yards. It then has to be shipped to that licensed firearm dealer. And I have to go to them and go through the normal process that you would have to do with any other firearms, which includes oh. getting that background check. So this is not so simple that you can walk into virtually anywhere and walk out ready to do battle let's just clarify that all right i want to add because we've actually we actually went through that procedure once years ago and, and purchased a 22 rifle for a family member and did that we we bought it from a gun manufacturer and had it shipped to a local dealer because that's the only way that it, that they mm -hmm. would do it what you you may not realize and i don't know if you've ever bought one online Depending on the gun dealer that it is shipped to, the licensed mm -hmm. dealer, just for handling the transaction, right. they can charge. They 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 will charge up to maybe two hundred and fifty dollars just for handling the transaction. That's just what they get paid to have that weapon shipped to them, and you come pick it up, and you still have to pay for all the other extras in order to legally obtain that rifle. 
Right. I don't know if people realize that, that that's even a cost added in there that people don't think of, that that gun dealer, you know, well, you can buy it online. Well, it's going to get shipped to a gun dealer, but on top of that, you're going to have to pay that gun dealer for handling and taking care of this transaction. So, again, this all goes back to the, the common sense gun laws exist. We have a lot of laws, and depending on where you're at, a lot more. Okay? Uh, if you take that rifle that I just mentioned to California, California's laws, if you want to get a, you know an, an AR-style rifle, what the, you know, Smith & Wesson calls the M&P-15, and you got that button that drops out the magazine so you can change mags, they require there's a you know there's a breakdown where the stock and the main body of the the weapon have to come apart to engage that button to drop it because they're so convinced that it's the ability to change mags that makes it more deadly that they want an extra step involved so to sell that same firearm in California you have to modify it even further and there's also certain other things that uh, certain other modifications that they require for those type of rifles just as one of them so, where, depending on where you live, those laws are even more restrictive. So, people fail to understand that common sense laws exist. That is always the battle cry. The reason I brought this, the, this thread out was I was trying to ex demonstrate we have laws. They do exist. And these laws still do not prevent evil people from doing evil things. And that's why... Hey, I, brother. Yeah, go ahead. I wanted to, before we get any further, you mentioned earlier about the increase in mass shootings mm -hmm. over the years and how they varied. I'm actually looking at a chart that starts, at, starts in 1982. Mm -hmm. It goes through up until 2021 and the number of mass shootings per year. And up until 2010, the average was two, three... Every so often you see a four on this chart. But when you get to 2010, that average jumped. In 2010, there was seven. 2011, five. And the numbers vary off and on. Then when you get to 2017, we're looking at 12. And in 2018, we're back around 10. Whereas in 2018 and 2019, it was two and six. 2020, there was three. So we had a window there for some reason between 2010 and 2017 where it jumped up on average to around double digits. But, you know, like you were saying, <laughs> you and I grew up in an era, especially me, because I grew up in South Alabama. And I grew up where at any point in time in the winter you could go out and find a rifle or a shotgun in somebody's pickup truck or laying in the back seat of a car or in their trunk. Because like you said, they either had went deer hunting that morning or were going that afternoon, and we didn't have massive gun shootings and all these other things. But, you know, we get into our more modern era from 2010 forward, and you see this increase in mass shootings. Now, I don't know what causes this, but it's just a purely observation on my point. I don't know if more mass shootings happen under Democrat presidents or if they're just reported more often, but it just seems to me we hear more about them under Democratic presidents than we do Republican presidents. And um, what year was it that Trump took office? Uh, he would have been, he was elected in 2016, so 2017. Okay. In 2017, we had 10. 
and then in 2018 to 2026, and I'm sorry, in 2017 we had 10, 2018 to 2017, 2019 six, and then in 2023. So, but the the years prior to that we had, and I'm gonna just go backwards, starting at 2017 we had. 10, 12, 11, 6, 7, 4, 5, 7, going back to 2010. Um, wasn't that during the era of Obama where we yes, had all these mass shootings? Yes, it was. Um, could it not be, and I'm, I'm going to key up your next point, <laughs> um, what occurred during that era that possibly led to the contrib- contribution of more mass shootings and more violence? What were people starting to be told and taught about themselves during that time. Right. And I think that's really the issue at at hand here. The reason I brought this issue about laws up is that's what everybody wants to focus on. We need to get rid of the weapons. The weapons are the bad, evil thing. That's what's causing the problem. Never mind the fact that we had, you know, when I was in college, an entire building blown up by a in Oklahoma City by a man with a with a car full of fertilizer never mind the fact that uh, at the Boston City Marathon two men with um with uh, pressure cookers created bombs to kill multiple people never mind that just this last winter during the christmas time a man drove down a uh, sh- several blocks killing or trying to maim and kill people in a parade with a vehicle um these things happen they are ongoing. We hear about mass casualty incidents often. We don't concentrate on fertilizer. We don't concentrate on cars. We don't concentrate our energies on on uh, pressure cookers. Um, if pressure cookers were the deadly device, I would be in trouble. We own three, okay? <laughs> but nobody is coming in trying to say that I can't own a pressure cooker. The issue isn't the tool. The you know the issue is the person who used the tool and why, and that's what we have. To, it's easy to focus on firearms because firearms are de- uh, designed for a specific purpose, whether it's to destroy a target, uh, an animal for hunting, or a person in battle, combat, uh, a law enforcement scenario, or self-defense. It is designed to destroy. So everybody goes, well, that's what it's for. Therefore, it's bad. Now, get, putting aside all the constitutional discussions, because there's a myriad of those, um, putting all those aside, constitutionally, you have a right to that. You have a right to own that firearm. And it is specifically to the individual that has been ruled by the Supreme Court repeatedly. That has been determined to be a right that can't be taken from you. It is, it is, it, it is a right recognized by the Constitution to be external to anything of government, and it is protected so that the government cannot interfere to that inalienable right. So whether we like that or not, that is simply the fact. That is just what it is. So people look at it and go, terrible, mean, you know, it does harm, therefore we shouldn't have it, but it's a protected right. So what do we do? Oh, well, we st- we need to we need to just do away with the right. And I've actually seen Christians today on online today saying we need to be willing to give up that right but again is it the issue of the gun is it the issue of the existence of the right or it is is it the issue of the heart and i'm going to argue it's the heart and going back to what you were saying rich i posted something else that i felt was 
um, very, very important for people to recognize because we are seeing a change in people. We're seeing a change in, in this vile hatred, this anger, this desire to do harm. Why? And, and it goes back to a particular political era. And I, and I think that's because under that administration, under the Obama administration, we as Christians recognize that President Barack Obama pulled back the veil, so to speak, and allowed and really enforced by government fiat the teaching and indoctrination of things that God himself calls an abomination. He, you know, Obama and his administration said, no, these are virtues to be celebrated. So I want to read you what I wrote for you to get the understanding of why I say it's an issue of the heart and we are focused on the wrong thing. See, Christians, we have something we're supposed to focus on, and that is the gospel. The gospel addresses this issue, and what I wrote was, we live in a culture that has told its youth, excuse me, its youth that they are not made in the image and likeness of God. They are no different from animals. In fact, animals have more value than humans. They are not unique or special. They can be murdered in the womb because their life is less important than the impact it may have on their mother's. By the way, let me stop. There's a TikTok video out right now with a woman breastfeeding her child, talking to the child about how she had the right to murder the child if she wanted to. And she chose to allow the child to live, but she could have killed the, uh, the baby and that was okay. Saying this to the baby, by the way. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, just glory. I'm not, I'm not making it bigger than it really is. This is how evil it is. Okay. So they're being taught that their life is less important than the impact that their birth may have had on their mothers. That, depending on their gender and ethnicity, they are perpetual victims or victimizers. That they cannot trust what they see in the mirror. That biology cannot define who they are. That the imaginations of their minds are as real as reality. That no one can tell them what is true. Tr that whatever they say is true must be accepted as true by everyone else. That their self-defined truth must not only never be questioned, it must be affirmed and celebrated. That anyone who questions their truth hates them. That anyone who says their personal truth is wrong is speaking violence against them. That human value is defined by how much it aligns with the approved narrative. That anyone who disagrees with the approved narrative may not even be human. That racism isn't defined by actions, but differences in equality. That anyone who denies this definition is racist. That racism is only one way. But that hatred of other ethnicities, as long as they're white, is acceptable and even a virtue. That violence is never acceptable unless it is, in, uh, it is violence in favor of the accepted, accepted narrative. They are being force-fed this 24-7, 365. They are being told every single day that they are not valuable as human beings, that their value is dependent upon the narrative that they are being force fed. And anyone who disagrees with that narrative is may not even be human. And I say that because there was a woman who said, I don't believe white people are humans. Okay. They are saying this, they are telling this to our youth every single day. And then we wonder why they snap and they take use of whatever tool they have, in this case, a young man with firearms available to him, and he goes and kills the very thing he hates. He hates humanity. Why? Because he's been told to. He has had his entire life programmed for him. 
He has been told that he defines who he is, that he can't look to something outside himself, that there is no external morality to himself. He has been told that his hatred of someone else who disagrees with him is a virtue, that someone who tells him he's wrong is evil. Okay, I want to pause you right here in the in the matter of this young man in the context of the of the tragedy that occurred in Texas prior to all of this and I know the reports are still sketchy and I can't really comment with full authority but we do know that prior to all of this happening he had an argument of some sort with his grandmother and he shot his grandmother in the face and then things escalated from that mm-hmm. point forward now we haven't read toxicology reports on the on the guy whether he was doped up or on, on you know some drug or whatever and we don't know that much about his background there are some reports that he, that law enforcement have had mm-hmm. had had issues with this young man on various occasions prior to his shooting his grandmother in the face but it, it shouldn't take a rocket scientist to understand if he gets mad enough to shoot his own grandmother in the face with a gun, he's capable of pretty much anything after that. Yes. And that there, and I, I, I don't put a lot of store in psychology or psychological reports, but just from my own observations, I do concur with some of their findings in today's world that on top of everything you just listed and named, about what people or what young people are taught and raised in in schools, and it varies from state to state. But are, are you know if you want to be a cat, you can be a cat. If you're a little boy, but if you want to be a little girl, that's fine. You can call yourself a little girl, and it just builds like Legos on from that. And you get very impressionable young people who have been told all these different things. You know, they've been taught and told that they're less than human, that, you know, it's okay to hate this person. It's okay to hate that person because they don't agree with this or that. And we don't know anything about this young man's ideology or politics or anything else. But based on data, you know, and, and on top of what you just named, you take someone that possibly him that has some mental illness issues that has been abused growing up, whatever the scenario may be, you add into the fact, just like abortion is a result of vast amounts of sexual immorality in this Mm -hmm. country, you add to that the increased idolatry of violence in this country when it comes to media and video games. Most of the more popular movies that have been released in the last 14 years have massive amounts of violence or destruction or explosions in it with the superhero movies and cartoons and video games. And I'm not saying it's wrong to watching it. It's what I'm saying is, is that it's another part of the formula that adds to some of these individuals who are already deranged, possibly mentally ill and have all these other issues going on. You can be addicted to violence. You can be addicted to that adrenaline thrill in video games, to, you know, gunplay in movies. And some of these movies, you know, are extremely violent, extremely gory, extremely bloody. And if you're consumed or if you consume that on a daily basis, meaning like someone like this young man, if he, 
engaged in those really, really uber-violent and bloody video games 20 hours a day and then, you know, was watching all these other things. It programs these young people's minds to a point to where it's not just enough to engage in it in video games. They want to live it out. They want to be part of it because they come become desensitized to the sin, to the action and to the viewing of it. It's the same thing that happens with porn addiction. And it's the same thing that happens to different types of drug addiction addiction it releases those particular endorphins in your brain that you become addicted to that feeling and to that lack of a better word that high to where the more you engage in it the more you desire it the more you want to physically engage in it it's not just enough to watch it or play it out on video games you add that to everything that you said about what they're being taught how they're being taught to view themselves, to view others, that they're less than human, that morality doesn't exist, that God doesn't exist, that do whatever it is you want to do that makes yourself happy. Well, some of these individuals, that's what they consider to make themselves happy. They think to be happy, they need to go out and shoot someone. And you tell people that you do whatever you want to do, be whatever you want to be, do whatever makes you happy. Well, this is something that some of these individuals find that they enjoy doing. It's what makes them happy. They enjoy going out and shooting someone. Mm -hmm. And guess what? That's not what the Word of God teaches. It's not the weapon that's the problem, like you said. It's the individual that's holding the weapon that's the problem. It's the individual that takes that bullet and loads it into that gun knowingly and willfully with expectations of taking that weapon now fully loaded and going out and shooting someone. I heard it said once, guns don't kill people, bullets kill people, and no gun self-loads itself. Someone physically has to take that bullet and load it into that weapon and then go out in depraved heart and depraved mind and without God and pull the trigger in hatred and murder and gun down another individual. And And that's exactly it. You know, we, we need to remember what we're dealing with is not a legality issue. We are dealing with a spiritual issue, which, by the way, is exactly what I responded to Danny Aiken, who I'm sure will never acknowledge that I exist, which, fine, I don't <laughs> care. Um, but Danny Aiken said, I'm a, he said this on Twitter, I am a convictional conservative who has, a, has voted a straight Republican dick. Republican ticket since I began voting in 1976. So he's trying to establish his conservative conservative bona fides here. Uh, you know, by the way, I'm not a liberal. Um, having made that clear, it's time to pass some common sense gun controls that respect the Second Amendment and protect our children. In fact, it should have already happened. Number one, it already has happened, Mr. Aiken. We already have them. We just established that. But the other issue is the failure to recognize why this has happened and why it has happened in so many other forms. You know, Rich, you and I were talking in pre-show about that these events are the smallest amount of gun violence, if since people want to use that term, that exist on record. You know, the, the actual numbers for other deaths of other forms of gun violence, such as what goes on in Chicago every night, um, is greater than the number of incidents involving firearms in a mass shooting. Now, a mass shooting is bad. I'm not minimizing in that. The loss of life is tragic. And by the way, if you're not praying for the people in Uvalde, Texas, why are you listening to this program? Get off and start praying for them. 
But I, I want to make a note that when when someone like Danny Aiken says this should have already happened, it's ha- you know, we need to protect our kids. The rules that are there, they are uh, they do exist. This isn't an issue of the issue of legality. This is the issue of a wicked heart. You know, the problem is start with Genesis eight twenty one. God speaking of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick, who can understand it? Uh, Psalm 51, uh, uh, yeah, 51, 5, coming from David, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We are dealing with the wickedness of man. It is innate to us. And since the early 2000s, thank you to a prior presidential administration, it has been given free reign. It has been told that every imagination of its heart is, it's a virtue. Celebrate it. Be whatever you want to be. Everything but a white, straight Christian male. Everything else is free game. White, straight Christian male, that's that's Satan. That's, that's the Antichrist. That's the cause of all evil in the world. Everything else you can be. You can do whatever you want. You just can't be this. And that has, it has basically opened up the, the, the floodgates, so to speak. It has removed the hand of restraint. Well, we know because of Romans 1 that if we as a nation tell God we want nothing to do with you, we want nothing to do with your laws, we want nothing to do with your commands, we want nothing of you, God will do exactly that. He will give us over to a depraved mind. And please understand, I mean, I, I've been reading part, you know, this, this year my practice has been, you know, a couple chapters out of the Old Testament, a couple chapters out of the New. I, I was reading through, I think it's uh, Deuteronomy 28, I believe it was, some 64 plus verses of curses that God would bring down on the nation of Israel for if they if they rebelled, which every one of them we saw played out over the, the pages of the Old Testament. All the promises of the curses he would bring upon his people. Now this is the same God of Romans 1 who says, I will give you over to a depraved mind. In other words, he will, he will give us over to exactly what we want. That is a curse from God. And since the early 2000s, and it's been building well before that, we've talked about this before, but since the early 2000s, when certain political leaders and, and certain uh, uh, educational institutions and certain activist institutions and the abdication of uh, you know teaching the truth from in, in, in the churches to give that over to seeker-friendlyism and such, just let's meet people with what they want as opposed to what they need to hear, the, the, the shackles, so to speak, were, were loosed and the restraint of evil has vomited forth. The reason we have Uvalde, Texas is because we have people who are neck deep, nose deep, going up to their eyes and ears in sin. If you took every firearm on the planet and melted them into a solid ball and dropped it into the Mariana Trench, you would never stop, through legislation, the wicked depravity of the heart of man. Not one iota would it stop it. You will not stop Uvalde, Texas from happening if you take away firearms. And by the way, for those of you who go, oh, well, that means the laws don't work on abortion, right? That's an entirely different argument. And I'm just going to make this real quick and we'll get back on track. 
Laws against murder exist. We, as a wicked and evil nation, carved out an exception for the child in the womb. Just like we carved out an exception for slavery and said this person's not human. What we are calling for is that person to be put back in where they belong. That's what calling for the abolition of abortion is. Recognizing the personhood of the child in the womb. The law already exists. We just want them to be acknowledged as a person so they are treated as such. This is different than saying we have laws on the books that actually prohibit many of the things that happen when these terrible, tragic, gut-wrenching, make-you-want-to-curl-up-in-a-ball-and-weep incidents happen. Those laws exist. Why didn't the laws stop them? That's the question. Because the law doesn't stop. It was Paul who said, I didn't know what coveting was until the law woke it up in my heart. When the law said, don't covet, the first thing my heart did was go, ooh, what's covet? Let's do it. These laws exist. Common sense laws exist, but they're not stopping it. Why? For the intention of a man's heart is evil from his youth. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That's the problem. That is the problem right there. We have given been given over to this very curse, the sin, the restraint against sin, unleashed. By God's very promise, it has been unleashed, and we are watching it play out before us. And what have we got today as our leaders in the evangelical church? We need to talk about common sense gun laws. We need to talk about, well, you know, the world's watching. We need to talk about critical race theory. You know, the world is watching. We need we need to not be, uh, be uh, being sound, sounding so political on things like abortion. We, we need to adopt a third way. That's what our leaders are talking about? That's what they think is the answer? Let me give you the answer. Mark 1, 14, one, uh, excuse me, 1, 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What? Law changes a heart of a young man who thinks it's his right to kill children. What law could stop that? You think if he didn't have those firearms, he wouldn't have killed children that day? What about the man who drove down a parade route that we don't want to talk about because he's the wrong ethnicity? What about the two men who killed people in the Boston Marathon bombing but we don't talk about that because they don't fit the narrative? Where are you evangelical leaders on that? Are you, Danny Aiken, are you calling for SUV restrictions? 
What about you, Paul Ward, on, on, on Twitter today? Christians should always be on the side of laying down our rights for the benefit of the vulnerable. This isn't up for debate. Really? How about laying down the right to have kitchen equipment in your house, Paul? Is that what you want? Neither one of you recognize the man that did this. Who now sits in the fires of hell, by the way, because he's dead. And God's justice is sure. Neither one of you would have stopped him from killing someone with that answer. He needed Jesus Christ. Because nothing about the laws that you want to punch right and hit and coddle left so you can get people on your side to, to warm the pews. Not one thing you're talking about will change that wicked man's heart. Rich, I'm getting on my soapbox. Bring me down here, brother. <laughs> well, this may not help. While you were talking, something popped up and I had one of those little red notices and I opened it and it was from Facebook and it was an article from CNN that was posted today that was updated at 4.16 p.m. And it was comments and statements made by Vice President Kamala Harris. Um, this just shows how ignorant so many liberals and, and Democrats are when it comes to the issue of firearms. She said... She called for a ban on assault weapons, yeah. saying that in the wake of two back-to-back -back mass shootings, such arms are a weapon of war with no place in a civil society. First, semi-automatic weapons are not assault weapons. Assault weapons are fully automatic weapons. Just because these weapons, and AR does not stand for assault rifle, it stands for armor light, but... Just because, and this is my own opinion, and Chris, you're completely free to disagree with me. I think the fact that so many of these liberals and progressives and Democrats and progressive liberal, liberal Christians and maybe some Christians that just don't understand, I think part of the problem is they see this weapon that's designed to look like a military-grade piece of hardware. <laughs> it's designed to look like something a Marine would be toting or an or someone in the army would be toting just because it looks like that. They don't understand. It does not operate the same way as the fully automatic military weapon does. It's designed to look that way, but it is a semi automatic weapon. Like so many hunting rifles and target rifles are. I think part of the problem, honestly, is it just comes down to the fact that they are afraid. They are intimidated by the way it looks. I think a lot of these people would not be commenting as much in ignorance or from ignorance if these weapons did not look like military-grade hardware. Because just in this article alone, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's just so crazy, but she, keeps, she goes on, you know what an assault weapon is. You know how an assault weapon was designed. She continued, it was designed for a specific purpose to kill a lot of human beings quickly. An assault weapon is a weapon of war with no place, no place in the civil society. I agree with her. She's right. But guess what? These are not assault weapons. They look like assault weapons, but they do not operate like assault weapons. 
Chris, you're in, you, you have a background in law enforcement, and you were in the military. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. An assault weapon is a fully automatic weapon, true or false? Absolutely true. Okay. She goes on, and I'm not even going to read the rest of this and make our listeners cringe, but th- this, this one comment just drives at the heart of, I'm sorry, just pure stupidity. She said that in this year alone, there have been over 200 mass shootings in this country, and we're only halfway into the year. She stated there have been over 200 mass shootings. I would love to know where she's getting these statistics. There may have been over 200 shootings, but unless the media is completely silent, there have not been any 200 mass shootings. Now, there were probably 200 shootings in Chicago last week, but as far as I know, there have not been any 200 mass shootings in this country. What about you, Chris? Do well, you... I'll, t- I'll tell you right now, they the way they define mass shootings is so broad-based. Um, when you actually look up, this, and I wish I had the statistics in front of me because somebody actually, you can go online and look it up. and look. At, I mean, for example, they'll, just, they'll say a school shooting is if two men get into a uh, a car accident on the street outside of school, pull over and end up in the parking lot fighting and one shoots another, they'll say that was a school shooting. Um, how okay. they, So, I mean, how, how they define mass shootings and how they define school shootings and stuff like this is so broad-based. She could probably say that, which now we've heard of, uh, President, Vice President Kamala speak. Um, her ability to speak and, and, and be clear in what she says is very much in question. Um, I'm sorry if somebody takes offense to that, but um, space is so spacious and we, you know, we, the, the, the vastness of space. I mean, she, this is how she talks. Okay. So when she says things like this, take it with a big grain of salt, because even if she could define it, it's going to be broad based. I, I agree with you. I don't believe there's been 200 mass shootings. Um, um let, let, ahead, let me brother. finish up this and then I'll throw it back to you. But it went on and she attended the funeral of a Ruth Whitfield. She was the oldest victim in the shooting at the top's friendly market on may 14th and at one point she was invited to speak by reverend al sharpton sharpton said the nation was experiencing an epidemic of hate that i agree but you and i both know that he is politically motivated and when he says an epidemic of hate that doesn't necessarily mean that his definition of that would be the same as ours but i just want to point out the absolute hypocrisy when it comes to politics when, and these type of events and the Word of God, Harris said the current moment requires all good people, all God-loving people to stand up and say, we will not stand for this. Enough is enough. We will come together based on what we all know we have in common, and we will not let those people who are motivated by hate separate us or make us feel fear. Um, she's one of the most pro-life vice presidents in history. Yeah. Um, she's talking about all God-loving people. Well, most of the people in this country hate the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible will convict them of their sin that they love. And her statement about requires all good people, well, this country may have a lot of nice people, but it, it does not have a single good person living in it, on it, and never has had a good person living on it. And... If you don't know what I mean by that, we can discuss that at a later time because God himself said 
none are good, no, not one, no one seeks after God. But this is a problem. And politicians are horrible about wanting to take tragedies and twist them for their own political agendas. Now, when it comes to mass shootings, such as at this elementary school, the only person that really suffers are the victims and the victims' families. I don't care which side of the aisle you fall on gun control, whether you're for it, against it, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Everyone else profits from these mass shootings. Democrats use it as a sounding board for elections. Republicans will use it as a sounding board for donations to fight back against these anti-gun people. The NRA, their donations skyrocket during these events because people start talking about gun control and banning this gun and banning that gun, and we need the NRA's lobby to, to fight back against it. Guess what? Their donations go up. Guess what else happens? Gun sales skyrocket after rhetoric like this by the Democrats because people are terrified that they may actually win and guns are banned. So people will go out and buy more guns, will buy more ammunition. So no one, the the ones that are profiting from these tragedies, honestly, I don't think really care about what happens to a child in that schoolroom because Democrats are promoting well, we need to teach them they can be whatever they want to be. We need to teach them that it's okay if they're a boy to be a girl. We need to teach them about homosexuality. We need to teach them this. We need to teach them that. We need to stroke their emotions. We need to make them feel good about themselves. We need to do and blah, 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 blah. But when it comes down to it, they really don't care about these children. And I say that unhindered about both sides when it comes right down to it in politics. All they care about is how much money they can make. And sadly, both sides of the aisle, when it comes to gun control, whether you're for or against it, both sides make money off of these tragedies. And that in itself is deplorable, at least in my opinion. What do you think? No, I absolutely agree with you. Um, it's, It's really disgusting how this is used by so many people for their own agendas when you still have little children that have yet to be buried and um, Kamala Harris should be ashamed of herself but she won't be uh, Biden should be ashamed of himself but he's so mentally vacant he doesn't even know um, and that's a tragedy in itself but what makes me frustrated is Christians who want to yell and holler, but we need more laws. You have to do something. I I think the most dangerous phrase ever uttered in a free society is we have to do something. Doing something for the sake of doing something has caused more damage in history than it's ever helped. It is a destructive phrase. Punishing people. Suspending civil rights. And making people more vulnerable because we have to do something. Is dangerous. And it does absolutely nothing. To solve 
the heart issue. We have laws. The laws exist. Laws primarily exist so that if you do something wrong, you can be prosecuted. Laws do not stop. Laws can have a curbing effect in society. If you, if you, you realize, gee, I really want that big screen TV, but wow, I could go to prison for stealing a, a $5,000 TV. Um, you might not steal it right? It can have a curbing effect in a society that is not completely bereft of its moral senses. I just described to you what we've been doing for the last 20 to 30 years to our youth. Can you tell me, Christian, can you tell me that we are living a nation that has any sense of moral obligation left? Because if you can tell me that, you're not looking. You're living in a bubble if you think that we are still operating on any kind of sense of moral objectivity. It's destroyed. It's gone. And when the very foundations of our moral beliefs are shredded, the law has a much less effect curbing effect. These are people who want to go out in a blaze of glory. The man who shot up the Topps Friendly Market put together his manifest, shot up all the people, video recorded it so everybody could see, and then surrendered. You think he cares if he goes to prison? The law didn't stop him. Well, it would have stopped him from having firearms. Every one of these recently have been firearms that were purchased legally. They, they, they went through the checks. What law would have stopped a person with no criminal history? With no history of mental illness, no domestic violence history. What would have stopped him? Well, if he was older. So, if he was older but his family had them, that's going to stop him? Because that's happened too. The only law that would prevent firearms from ever being used in any crime of this nature would be if you eradicated them. Is that what you're asking for? Because I promise you, this man would have found another way. So what's the answer, Chris? No laws whatsoever? Didn't say that. Laws are necessary for a free society. Nobody's debating that. I'm trying to get through the, the, the veil that Christians are putting in front of their face because, no, if we just take care of the guns, that's the most foolish argument. You are ignoring the, the very fact that the, the moral fiber of our nation has been eradicated. There's nothing that these guys have that they hold to as true except what's in their own minds. So how do you reach that? How do you break through that? Thank you for asking. We have to reclaim what we have been commanded to do. We are to be a prophetic voice that points out that we are in an evil age. 
We've got to stop dancing around this. We are in the midst of a very evil age. When everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. We have to be a prophetic voice that says we are calling out a nation in rebellion to God. This nation is warring against God with every fiber of its being. It is warring against him. And that's Democrat, that's Republican, that's Libertarian, that's everyone. Because apart from Christ, you don't have a relationship with God. You are a rebel against God. And with every, I mean, look at the arguments that even conservatives will come up with. I mean, go back to the 2016 election when we weren't so keen on Trump, some of us. And the interactions that we had with people who said, I don't care if Trump's going to be a totalitarian, at least he's my totalitarian. I was told that. I'm not kidding. Uh, there are conservative-minded people who are just as depraved, just as vile, just as sexually immoral as the left. We need to be a prophetic voice that we have been given over to a depraved mind because we are at war with God. We have warred against him. We want to tear him off his throne. We want to worship the God of self and we want to be king. And God says, if that's what I, you want, I give it to you. And this is what we've become. We are, I, we are a nation of idol worshipers. And that idol is the idol of self. We have to reclaim the truth of proclaiming the gospel and we do so without apology. We stop pretending that, you know, sins are some sort of little oopsie that, you know, your God is okay with that if you just do that. No, we call it out what it is. We start saying, you are warring against God when you say a girl can be a boy or a boy can be a girl. You are sinning against God when you say alternative lifestyles are acceptable. They are a sexual immorality against God. You are sinning when you say sex work is regular work. It is, it is a sexually immoral uh, you know, uh, rebellion against God. You are sinning when you say abortion is, a, is a, a, a constitutional right. It is the murder of children. You are sinning. You are sinning. That is what we need to call out. This is a nation plunging off the cliff it is dashed heading straight for the rocks below stop trying to attract them preach the gospel call them out tell them what they are doing is a warfare with god you don't want another young man shooting up the uh, the uh, school find him and preach the gospel to him Tell him God is sovereign. God is the ruler of the universe. God is the one who declares right and wrong. God has made you what you are. And you are to bow the knee to him in repentance and faith. How dare we think that we can solve the problems of vile sin by just depriving people of some rights and we just need to get over that. That leads me to a question for you, brother, because um, one more short, two more short segments. First, how should Christians respond to these issues and, and gun control? Um, right about an hour before we started recording, I posted on Facebook and Twitter and asked a plain, simple question. As a Christian, why do you want to own a firearm? 
and I've had all kinds of replies, but one brother replied, but he, he replied in a sarcastic manner because he was quoting something John Piper said, and the article he referred to is actually in tonight's show notes. And if you want to read it, go right ahead. There, There's a John MacArthur link, there's a John Piper link, and there's a Tim Challies link in response to the John Piper article. But he wrote, because I'm better than all these mean, angry Christians who just love their killing tools, I just trust Jesus. If anyone broke into my home and wanted to hurt my family, I would just pray for them and tell them about Jesus, just like John Piper said we should. It's the much more spiritual way. Someday everyone will be as holy as I am once they, too, say no to guns and yes to being more like Jesus. Um, just a few moments ago, I had this reply on Twitter and where this brother was being sarcastic and referring to Piper and, and that self-righteous type of response. This, this other response goes more into the heart of professing Christians who think that the solution is just to get rid of all the guns. And this person wrote, there is no biblical or godly reason to own one in reference to firearms. And anyone who does is doing so for personal reasons. No student of the Bible can offer a serious biblical defense for it, despite the many futile attempts to do so on this thread. Basically, he's saying there's no biblical reason to own a firearm. Well, <laughs> granted, guns were not invented during the time of the New Testament, but swords were all over the place. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when, when Jesus left, headed to the garden the night he was arrested, he told Peter to grab a sword, and Peter picked, said, here's two, and Jesus said that was enough. Yeah. Jesus never preached against owning a sword. Yeah. And the Bible does not speak much about, you know, <laughs> what, as a Christian, whether you can own a sword or not, but there are a lot of references, and we need to remember that any weapon, whether it be a sword, a knife, or a firearm, is amoral, meaning that in itself, it's not sinful or not sinful to own it or use it. The sin comes in with the intent of the heart. If you pick up that knife, you pick up that sword, you pick up that rifle with the intent to harm or kill someone, mm -hmm. yes, that is sinful. If you pick it up to defend a baby, if you pick it up to defend your wife or your children, that is not sinful because we are to protect our families. Yeah. But that that is from that side of the argument. So in response to this type of thinking and, and professing Christians that say, well, in order to save innocent people, we should just ban guns altogether. There's no biblical reason to own a firearm. How would you respond to that? Well, I think the first thing is to respond to, and I saw that same response I actually responded to back to him, is to point back to what you address, which is... Um, Luke twenty two thirty six. actually go to 35, uh, Jesus speaking, and he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bags or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said nothing. He said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack, and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, look Lord, here are two swords. And he says, it is enough. Now, clearly what is in view is Christ's 
soon uh, you know, arrest and trial and crucifixion. He knows that he's going to be going to the grave, rising three days later, and then eventually ascending into heaven. So he will no longer be there in, in, uh, in person with them. And so as they're sent out and they, and they will be eventually scattered, he says, you, it's okay for you to care for yourself. You can take your money with you. You can take your knapsack, your clothing. You can break you can bring food and if you don't have a sword on the way you can have you can in fact i tell you go buy one they say look we got two swords he's a whoa that's enough in other words no armed rebellion we know that because later peter tries to lop off the ear of the servant of the high priest and uh, jesus rebukes him he wasn't trying to he was trying to, Peter was trying to act out the very thing he had been rebuked for before, which is telling Jesus he wasn't going to go to the cross. And then he acts on it with a sword and he's rebuked again by Jesus. We aren't called to win the kingdom through warfare. But being out, doing the work of God, being on the road, exposed to robbers and, and brigands and people who would do them harm, Christ allowed them to carry a sword. There was, when you look at the law, the given in the Old Testament, things like when men struggled against one another and, and the wife intervenes, look, if she grabs this part of the guy's body, which is not permissible for her to do, this is going to happen, you know, um, and I'm trying to be trying to be polite in the if she if she grabs his unmentionables then she would be held accountable for that, but not for interfering to try and stop her husband from being hurt. So the idea of protecting her husband was okay. To get involved to stop her husband from being hurt was not prohibited, but grabbing the unmentionables was, was prohibited, and she would be punished for that. If, you, you could, if you, somebody killed your family member with malice, you could be the avenger of blood. You could raise a hand or a weapon against them to take their life. Scripture does not prohibit the possession of a weapon for defense. God commanded military action. Weapons possessed by his people in warfare was permitted and commanded in certain cases. Men, when they were rebuilding the walls had of Jerusalem when they were sent back after their captivity in Babylon. They're building the walls with brick in one hand and sword in the other to protect their home. There is no command that you cannot possess a weapon for defense. There's, it just There is no argument. The idea of this individual who says there's no scriptural argument. He's already predetermined it. The well, that, uh, uh, go ahead, brother. I'm, I'm sorry. I thought you were finished. Go ahead and finish <laughs> your talk. So, as we engage in this, as we engage in this discussion, 
we need to get past. And here he is saying that you know it's uh, I, I, he because I, I, I responded to him. Obviously, you you you're denying scripture, so I'm not going to argue with you. He says it's quite humorous to argue with anyone who thinks that Christ supports owning a gun for the purposes that people own guns, or a wonderful loving Savior who teaches us to. And then uh, Twitter cuts him off. I'm sure he intended to say more. There is this preconception that well Jesus is is Jesus lowly meek and mild and he would never want us to hurt anyone and so therefore even though Jesus said to carry a sword he didn't mean that he didn't mean to use it for defense you're just being an you're worshiping an idol of of owning a weapon and that's really what it boils down to so here's here is what i would say if you are someone who just cannot bring yourself to, to own a weapon. Don't. That's that's fine. I, I'm totally fine with that. If you're someone who says, I, I believe there are, are different ways to deal with this. If you if you believe pacifism is is the way that's you can do that. Okay, I'm not telling you you have to be packing. You have to have all the the coolest and newest tools to protect your family. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying if you if you are convinced of your in, in your own conscience that you cannot do that, don't do it. Don't violate your conscience. Please don't violate your conscience. But don't arrogantly presume that you know better than Jesus and what the totality of Scripture teaches when someone says, I carry concealed because I want to protect my family. I'm carry concealed because of incidents like what happened at the school, and if I can save a life, I'm I'm gonna do it. Don't be presumptuous to say that a Christian clearly just doesn't trust God in those situations, because it was God Himself who said, "You can go buy a sword and protect yourself." Now, the flip side of this, Christians, many of us actually say. Scripture, I said, would rightly say that Scripture allows us to do this, and that we, especially as men, have a right to protect and a duty to protect our families. So when you get into a conversation with somebody who just can't see that, remember this is a brother or sister in Christ. I, I told the individual, I'm I'm just not going to argue with you. You're rejecting what Scripture says. Have a nice night. And I believe that's. The best way to, to approach that is, is is you can discuss these you know these matters respectfully, and you may not come to an agreement. You you guys may just butt heads, and you may have to break off. Guess what? You may have to break off the agreement and not have one, or break off the uh, argument and and have not one. That's okay too. We've got to be willing to recognize that there are just some people that this cannot be a line for them to cross. And we cannot stumble our brethren by trying to force them to believe that every Christian should be a gun-carrying, Fox News-watching Republican, okay? Um, well, maybe not so much Fox News these days, but maybe uh, you know Daily Wire. <laughs> but we should be willing to say this is an area that we cannot agree upon but you are still my brother or sister in Christ we have to this is where i would say being willing to lay down our right is appropriate 
I have a right to say this. I can tell you you're wrong. But that person has a right to be wrong. <laughs> right? So I can discuss this mm. with them and, and be willing to say, I'm not going to go any further with this. We're not going to we're not going to hurt each other. Go ahead. Well, basically, when it comes to gun ownership as a Christian, it's more in context in the description Paul uses in the matter of eating meat. Yeah, it's more a a, a issue of personal conviction than whether the Bible condones or condemns owning a a weapon, a firearm, sword, knife, whatever. I mean, it, it is a person. It's a matter of a person. Person. It's a matter of personal conviction. If that person does not feel comfortable owning a weapon, then they shouldn't own a weapon. But we need to remember and exercise grace when discussing this with brothers and sisters, because I've seen some on the anti-gun Christian side saying that you're evil for even wanting to own a gun. It's evil for you to own a gun. I've seen others on the other side saying, well, you can't be telling me that and, and arguments and basically the disagreements and disruptions over that one issue. Honestly, when it comes to gun ownership, it's more of a philosophical, theological, not theological, but more of a philosophical, political type issue than it is a biblical issue. Now, it can be a moral issue when it comes to how that weapon is used, how that knife is used, that sword is used, and how that firearm is used. You know, the use of it is where the moral issue comes in. The use of it is where the Bible comes in. Now, in that article by John Piper, he's trying to make an argument that basically if someone broke into your home, was trying to harm you and your family, you basically should just allow them to do whatever they want to do. That's at least the way I interpreted what he said in that article. I don't agree with that. Um, I don't agree with being a pacifist. I'm not saying that it's wrong to be a pacifist. pacifist. I'm saying my personal conviction, my conscience goes against being a pacifist. I see it as my duty to protect my family any way that I deem necessary. Now, I think a lot of times that in a home invasion situation, if someone is trying to harm a family member, if you can deal with that person without killing them, that is the best course of action and let law enforcement take it after that. But there will be situations to where taking that intruder's life may be the only way to save the life of your child or your wife or an older one of your older children that may be the only recourse that you're left with but that is different than taking a weapon going out and intentionally killing someone those are two completely different things and the the more pacifist sided christians seem to equate both yeah. in the same category yeah I but i i just i just want to point out we need when it comes to this issue discussing it with other Christians, we do need to exercise some grace. Now, when it comes to ones like Danny Aiken and that tweet, and he's just saying things to try to be nuanced and winsome and keep his foot planted on both sides of the fence, no, I don't agree with that. Yeah. 
but when you're in an honest conversation with a brother or sister and they disagree with you, this is one of those few times that it's okay that we each have our own opinion because it does equate to eating meat. If, you're, if, 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 it, if your conscience feels convicted and you don't think you should own a gun, don't own one. Yeah. If you think you should vote for stricter gun laws, then vote that way. But don't tread on the liberty of your brother or sister in Christ in this matter, meaning don't squash, for lack of a better word, <laughs> and try to destroy that brother or sister. You know, we don't want to offend the weaker brother or sister in Christ. We speak the truth in love and humility and out of love and compassion and care. But some of these discussions, you're better off like you did just to end it. And I put this question out prior to the show, and I would like to thank everyone that responded because I was overwhelmed by the number of replies to this simple question. And just to kind of bring my point home, sometimes, just like when I posted this question, I had a few individuals that automatically assumed I was against gun ownership. Mm -hmm. I had one that told me that the government's doing a good enough job banning guns. They don't need my help. That was a reply. Yeah, that was a reply to my simple question. Because I, I worded it as a Christian, why do you want to own a firearm? They automatically assumed yeah. that I was against owning a firearm. And like I said, I'll read it again. The government's doing a good enough job banning guns. They don't need your help. And I had another one. I don't even remember where it was at. It basically said that as a Christian, it's my duty to own anything I needed to defend my family. I, I, and all I did was ask the question, as a Christian, why do you want to own a firearm? Right. And I, I'm going to cover the responses I got, and there was about five or six that seemed to be the majority of the replies. But I'm going to ask you, Chris, as a Christian, why do you want to own a firearm? I, be- I believe that it goes back to what Scripture permits me to do, which is to protect myself and my family. There is no prohibition that says that I, I can't own one, despite the one gentleman on, on Twitter uh, has tried to say. And I believe that as a Christian, I've been given the duty to protect my family. I choose to to. to enact that by owning a weapon so that if something were to happen to my family or somebody close to me that I could stop harm from coming, that I avail myself of that privilege that scripture has given me. I don't believe that every person has to do that. I don't believe that it is the right of any government to take that away. So I avail myself of that opportunity because Scripture allows me to do so. And if I do so because it's the only means by which I can prevent harm from happening, then I'm going to make, a, make use of it. So that would be, that would be my answer. Well, and that goes along with a lot of the answers in the replies. Um, generally, it was hunting or to defend their family or for recreation, like target shooting. There was a few that were pretty out there. Um, <laughs> that was 
some of them were rather humorous because you know we <laughs> we have knuckleheads that are our friends on social media and they like to be a little or attempt to be humorous from time to time but um i like what i like what our brother nathaniel jolly had to say he said living in alaska i use them for food protection from bears and protection from people um yeah living up there in alaska nathaniel i can see where you need protection from bears and I, i've seen some respond well that with, were from my area with all due, with all due respect to nathaniel he also wants to hunt bears with a spear oh i still want to go with him and do that you two are crazy i want to hunt yeah but i'm in a wheelchair i want to go bear hunting with a spear in a wheelchair no, um, my Suzanne. My no, problem don't let is, do this. <laughs> my problem though is my dad raised me that if, if I shoot something, it's got to be something I plan on eating. I've never eaten bear, so I'm not real sure if I, I would like it or not. So <laughs> um, Nathaniel would have to serve me up a, a platter of bear meat before I shot one to know whether I wanted to eat it or not. Um, I grew up, okay, like we I get, said, in the we deep sidetrack. Sorry. <laughs> I grew up in the deep south, and hunting was and still is a way of life. Um, no one replied that I saw. No one replied in this manner. But for a lot of people, owning a, a rifle is, is a matter of heritage. If It's a matter of family tradition. You're raised with your dad or your grandpa, and you go out hunting. And, you know, over the decades of having done that, your father or your grandpa dies and leaves you that particular rifle, it has a lot of sentimental value to it, to you, even if you never use it again. Just having it as a physical remembrance of those times together, that's very meaningful for a lot of people, and it's a matter of tradition. A lot of people like to collect old firearms, or, you know, in a lot of cases, if you can afford it, people like to collect new firearms. Um, you know, if, if you have the means to do it without taking away from providing for your family and that's something you enjoy doing is collecting firearms you know more power to you but um the biggest majority of the responses were along the lines of what i said about protection and about hunting and providing for food and yes there are that many people that still hunt to put meat in their freezers especially now when you know ground hamburger meat's what six seven dollars a pound i forget what my wife paid for hamburger meat not long ago but you know somebody said it's fun to shoot and that goes back to what i said about you know for recreation um someone just replied simply replied i don't need a reason (laughs) but um and a couple of the responses were along the lines of keeping um, like wild hogs or coyotes away from their sheep or cattle or, or horses or their gardens and things along those lines. Um, I've not seen anyone reply that they wanted to own guns because they hated people and they wanted to do anyone harm or anything along those lines. But that's just, you know, the majority of the answers fell into those categories about hunting, defense, defend my family and and recreation like target shooting. And I see absolutely nothing wrong with any of those replies. In fact, like I said, I appreciate everyone that did take the time to reply to that question because you helped contribute to tonight's 
program, and some of your responses were pretty funny. <laughs> some of them were a little disturbing, like that gentleman that you replied to, but um, I think the point I was going to make was don't jump to conclusions just like that. When I asked that simple question, I had two or three that just automatically assumed without context that I was against guns. No, I'm for a Christian owning firearms if they feel comfortable doing so. I was raised around firearms from the age of about four or five. My dad started teaching me how to handle. He taught me gun control. He taught me how to handle a gun. I learned gun control laws by belt control laws. I did something <laughs> stupid with a firearm. I got a spanking. <laughs> You know, I was, I, 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 and I was a little hard headed at times and I probably received several spankings, but I was taught, I was taught gun safety. I was taught not to point the barrel at anyone to triple check and make sure it's unloaded until you're ready to go into the woods. And then you don't load it until you get to where you're going. You know, I was taught all these gun safety rules and how to handle it and how to clean it and how to take care of it and do all of these things. People that were not raised, especially in the South, that were not raised around firearms, you know, they're, nowadays, there are all types of locations you can go to, fire, to gun ranges that will teach you gun control, meaning how to control that gun, how to aim it, how to shoot it, how to hold it, how to clean it, you know, all of these things. And in today's world, I will, su will suggest if you're going to own a firearm, and you've never been around them, you, you need to go to a qualified individual to train you how to do all of these things. Because if you are an individual and you were not raised in that environment, you need to learn gun safety. I don't know if our local high school still does it or not, but I know when my sons were still in about 8th, ninth grade, there was a gun safety class they could take and unless it's changed in my area in order to purchase a firearm you have to provide proof no excuse me to get a hunting license you have to provide proof that you've gone through a gun safety course if you're under a certain age in my state right. and but you know it varies from state to state but i'll just close out in this that if you are interested in purchasing a rifle or a pistol of any sort you do need to know how to handle it how to take care of it how to store it and all of these other things that go into gun safety training and even for some of us that you know had guns and been around guns for 40 50 years probably wouldn't hurt to take a refresher course from time to time um I used to love to go out and target shoot. Now, I've not been able to do that in a very long time, and I still say that I could out-shoot Chris, but um, that's another story <laughs> altogether. <laughs> but when it comes to, to gun ownership, is there anything that you would like to add to that besides being properly taught how to handle a handgun or a rifle? I would just say this. I mean, first and foremost, as Christians, are, are, what are we called to? We're, we're called to be the folks that go out 
and proclaim the gospel and disciple people. That means the uncomfortable conversations of, of talking about sin and, and, and condemnation and such. That's our primary mission in this world. Everything that comes after that or is bound up in around that, part of that me is you get to, you know, God, God has not forbidden you from owning a weapon to protect you or your family. What we do have to be cautious about is we can be the type of people that are like, I'm going to be Rambo. I'm going to take on all the bad guys. I'm going to, I'm going to run in there and I'm going to save all the people. And, and it's, that's kind of the, the image we want to project. And I'm not saying that some of that thinking is wrong, but if our first and primary mission is to be the people of God, then the, it, what we want to project is that we are the people of God. I carry a firearm. I carry one concealed. I do so for the protection of my family, my loved ones, etc. Most people, when they meet me, unless I've mentioned to them my military service or my, my law enforcement service, do not immediately assume that's a cop and he carries himself like he's acting like a cop. They, they, a lot of times the, the, re, the reflection I get back from people is they, they recognize my desire for, for you know, the, the word of God to proclaim the word of God, that kind of thing. I say that because we can be a stumbling block. We can, we can be that person that's like, I'm more concerned about my gun rights than anything else. It's not to say that you don't have a, a right to defend them. I'm just saying, what is your primary mission in this world? It is to love the lost, to pro proclaim the gospel, to draw them to Christ, to glorify God. In and through all those things, weapon ownership and the ability to protect self and others is something we have the privilege to do because God has allowed it. Now, I also want to say, outside of the United States, 90% of you guys have no idea why we're having this discussion. <laughs> I get that. This is one of those kind of American-centric topics, but perhaps this helps you understand <laughs> what's going on over here in the States and why it's important that we have this discussion. Even if you don't see it as an issue, and I know some of you are like, I don't get it, you guys are too concerned about guns understand this is an issue within the united states church that we have to wrestle through because it is part of our culture it is part of who we are it is that's not going away okay so pray for us as we wrestle through that um sorry go ahead. i'll add i'll i'll add this for our overseas listeners most of you live in countries that have not allowed individual gun ownership for centuries um, I don't know the history of every country, but I do know, like, in Europe and Australia, maybe not Australia, but a lot of the European countries, gun ownership, you, you know, in, citizens have not been able to own weapons for, you know, two, three hundred years or maybe even longer. But our country, from the moment people started arriving on the shores until now, gun, gun ownership was part of the American way of life. Yeah. If not, if individuals had not been allowed to own firearms, we would have lost the American Revolutionary War. We would have lost the Mexican-American War. We would have lost the war, and a lot of people would will take exception to this, but the expansion of our country, 
because of individual pioneers owning firearms, they were able to colonize the rest of the United States. Now, I know that would could lead into another heated debate about the Native Americans and, and all that, but the point being that, you know, during that era, there were very, very immoral people as pioneers and Native Americans that fought and killed one another that that should never have happened. But especially during that era and once these towns were established, gun ownership helped keep the peace. Gun ownership helped to derail the bandits and the stagecoach robbers and and those that were robbing banks and all these old Western type stories that you hear about. In America, it never got to the point to where the government came in and seized all of the weapons because of our constitutional right to keep and bear arms. But what Chris was saying is, although we have that right, we should never, and I may be putting words into your mouth, but the way I heard it, or the way I interpret it, with, with us having a constitutional right to keep and bear arms, we don't want to be a stumbling block for a brother or sister who disagrees with gun ownership, meaning we should not make that the focus of our Christian witness. Yeah. As Americans, we're allowed to legally own a firearm, but if a brother or sister disagrees with that, we should not make, make that a stumbling block with them or to them. And if we're witnessing to an individual that opposes gun ownership, we don't flaunt our liberty in their face, especially when it comes to proclaiming the gospel, because the primary purpose of the church is the primary mission of the church, which is to proclaim the biblical way of salvation. And most people don't want to hear this, but it's also an individual command given by Christ Mm -hmm. to not only the church, but to individuals as well. And if you don't agree with that, I can quote you about two dozen scripture verses that will support the mandate for individual evangelism. But when it comes to that, as Christians, our focus is not gun ownership. Our focus is not what we're allowed to do or not do under the Constitution. As Christians, our focus is to make Christ known and to proclaim his biblical way of salvation. Because regardless of whatever rights we have today or any rights that may be taken away tomorrow, as Christians, we're first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of heaven, or we will be once we pass from this world. The time we spend here and now is only a snippet when it comes into the view of eternity, and we need to remember that. And our job as Christians is not to win arguments, is not to win over the culture to our way of thinking, as Christians, our primary duty and focus is to proclaim the way of salvation and take as many people to heaven with us as we possibly can through the proclamation of the gospel. Amen. Amen. And, and that's more or less what I was getting at. Is it's, it's okay to have those discussions. It's okay to get in the middle of them. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying remember what our primary calling is and that there just may be times when that's not the conversation you need to have, and which goes back to the primary premise of the program. It's not 
about responsible gun ownership. It's not about whether there should be laws against gun ownership. There's, it's about we are in the midst of a very wicked and evil age in which our nation and our culture is at war with God and we have been given over to this depraved mind and we want to have d discussions about, well, we need to ban guns. Banning guns isn't going to solve the problem. Banning guns is just one tool that you may deprive someone of. Oh, well, that'll save one life until that same individual kills a bunch of kids by driving a truck through a playground. Do you understand my point? Christians, we can own firearms, we can defend our right to own firearms, and we can have those discussions. But when someone tells you, we need to save kids, your answer should be, you're right, therefore we need to proclaim the gospel. You need to repent of your sins because you and everyone in this nation is at war with God. The reason that young man did what he did is he was an evil man at war with God. And he needed Christ. Laws make a difference in a nation that has a moral compass. We have no moral compass. Laws have become less and less relevant because laws continue to be broken by evil people. We are in a supernatural war. You don't win a supernatural war by the th warfare of the world. We win the battle by going to the Lord and using his weapons of warfare. We get on our knees and we pray. We read his word so that we can be equipped to give every man an answer. We stand without apology against the tide of the world and proclaim Christ is Lord. Repent and believe the gospel. That message works here. It works in the Middle East. It works in the south, the darkest parts of South Africa. It works in the North Pole, in the South Pole, in the UK, in the Third World, in the Western World. It works everywhere it is proclaimed because God is sovereign over salvation and he saves souls. And he's called upon you, Christian, and me, and every one of us that is named of the name of Christ to proclaim the gospel message. You cannot stop evil by declaring, we've made what you want to do illegal, therefore, hi, you can't do it anymore. That person looks at you, laughs, and does it anyway. I'm not saying we shouldn't pass laws. But we have got to recognize that we no longer live in a nation that is a nation of laws because they don't care about the laws. When we pass laws, what do we do? We take them back to court and we get them overturned five minutes after they were passed. And we do what we want anyway. It's because we have no moral fiber. We are doing what is right in our own eyes. And just like God gave over the people of Israel time and again to their enemies because of the rejection of him, God has given us over to the worst enemy, our own hearts. And we are reaping the reward. And like the people of Israel, 
when they came to themselves and they realized that they were under the oppression that they were under because they had rejected God and they cried out for a Savior, God delivered them. What do we do? We cry out to Christ, equip the church, Lord, strengthen her, build her up, give us another Whitfield, give us another Spurgeon, give us an army of them to go out and proclaim the gospel without fear. God will honor that prayer. But we have to do the work. We have got to stop thinking like secular humanists. We have got to start thinking like the bride of Christ. Rich, any last things before we let everybody go? We went long again tonight. <laughs> well, whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the biblical way of salvation at least once a day, whether... It's engaging someone in a conversation, whether it's handing out a tract, leaving a tract, or sharing a gospel link to others online. Whatever you do, make it a point to do that at least once a day. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks, um, for <laughs> for an episode that we kind of didn't intend on doing. I think it, uh, well, let me say it this way. I hope it went well, and I hope you understand. I know I got kind of up on my soapbox for a minute um if i said anything that was offensive i i wasn't trying to um but i hope you understand that our passion is because we love you guys we love christ's church and we've got to think biblically and that's what i hope we did now you can disagree with everything we said i don't have a problem with that you can even email us voice of reason radio at gmail.com and tell us why as long as you're being respectful as long as you, whatever biblical uh, arguments you want to make, you bring them in context with the, you know, bring bring your backup verses and and do them in context. Um, but Rich is right. Find somebody this week. There are people out there that desperately need Christ. This young man needed Christ. Be that for someone this week. Be the the lifeline that God extends to the person drowning in sin. Commit to that this week. God bless you guys. Thank you for being with us. We will see you next time.